welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I am your host, Allison Sagan. My guest today is Kenny Madison. This is minute number 79, and so that is going to be, uh, or sorry, 76. What am I doing starting off this week? Uh, I, I don't know where, I was, where my Look, head was there. It's been a, it's been a <laughs> long day for everyone. I've been... <laughs> It was a busy day at work. That's my excuse. Uh, yeah. This is, uh, it's a long day for the characters in Glass Onion. Uh, it's at one hour, 15 minutes to one hour, 15 minutes and 59 seconds. Uh, and we're just starting right at the start of, uh, we're in the middle of Benoit Blanc talking with uh, Helen on the balcony of his apartment. And uh, I can present it to the police and the courts, but... That is where my jurisdiction ends. Yeah, but it's you doing it instead of me. I'll take those odds. Yeah, so this is, uh, this is, I think the first thing that I, I the first note I put down is that I'm just so jealous of this apartment. <laughs> it is, uh, I mean, look, Ryan Johnson shoots movies that I love to look at, and now that he mm-hmm. has that Netflix money, the locations have become even more lush, though I do wonder, they've got to be shooting on a green screen, uh, they right? probably are. But at the same time, I'm like, that is a gigantic balcony for presumably New York City. So it's like, that looks, it, I don't know. I just think that that's, I personally. Are they in New York it, City? I, I, I was clocking it as London. Oh, interesting. I was clocking it as New York for whatever reason. Um, I don't know, but um, let me let me look. Let me see, because yeah, <laughs> let's both let's both look. Let's both go to let's the board. Let's both look. Okay, we're go- both looking. Um, I think okay, this is New York. Um, That's it, New York. It's beautiful. I don't know. Um, Look, you are I, the host. I defer to your expertise. <laughs> you have so much. You, you have a lot of authority here. So okay, they're in New yes, York. It looks like it's a. Um, it, it is a. The, the exterior is a CG composition inspired by the terrace of uh, one of the top apartments at seven seventy Park Avenue in New York. So this is a pretty lush apartment. Outstanding. Uh, and uh, I again, I am I'm very jealous um, because. To, live on the Upper East Side with a gigantic, with, like, a huge balcony. I'm like, how does, I don't, does, is this, is this all Blanc's money? Is this all his partner's money? I don't know. Either way, I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> Same. I guess this would also, look, I, again, your knowledge of this being a New York apartment uh, it fits far more in with the information in Knives Out that he was featured in The New Yorker. Of course he would be. Yeah. Of course he would be based in New York instead well, of London. Well, I, I mean, I think, I, I, you know, I could definitely see London, especially, um, but, but also, I, I feel like there, everything starts in in the U.S. with him, or I yes. mean, at least, at least with, uh, um, Knives Out, like he's not staying at the Thromby mansion or by any means. So I assumed, I guess, that he was local. Um, and that's very, uh, 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 it's, it's, it seems like it's very East coast type, type of stuff. Oh, very much so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I, it's hard to say. I'm glad I'm, 
I'm glad I was able to look that up because I was like, I, I, I just assumed that. And I was like, I think that's got to be New York. But yes, uh, <laughs> I'm just a because I am one of those millennial people that looks at stuff on Zillow, even if I can't afford it. And uh, I was like, mm, I want to live in that apartment. Oh, uh, my gosh. I, I am not one of those millennials. Uh, <laughs> what there was it? Did you did you look at the price of this uh, unit prior to recording this? Oh, let me Google that. Oh, oh, oh! I I just looked. um, Apparently, the real two bedroom penthouse has an estimated market price of sixteen million dollars. Oh my gosh! Okay, so there. Well, and also, I mean, he's friends with Stephen Sondheim. He's friends with Angela Lansbury, Natasha Leone. So Benoit Blanc is a little bit of a well-to-do person. Yeah, he's featured in the New Yorker. Uh, even though I I I don't know what it is, he's probably the thick Kentucky accent, Shelby Foot accent. Uh, strikes me as someone that's a little bit more down to earth. No, he's a little bit hoity-toity. His fashion is yeah on point. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. It, it's 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 an interesting kind of dichotomy there, though, where he he does have. A, a down-to-earth thing, especially considering um, how both of the mysteries in both Nice Out and Glass Onion feature very wealthy people doing very wealthy things. You kind of, you have a sense of him being a much more down-to-earth than either the Thromby family or certainly Miles Braun or every, anything. But he's, he's, he's certainly not, uh, you know, it's nothing to sneeze at that apartment or, yeah. I mean... If like, Ryan he, Johnson, well, because if Knives Out was trying to tackle old money and this movie he was trying to tackle new money, it's very interesting that Benoit Blanc is also up on the upper echelon. Although, to be fair, like you said, we don't know if this is his money or his partner's money. Yeah, or or if there's any level of old money, new money, or we don't know much about Blanc um, or his history, so it's hard it's hard to say um, what that is or or what his history is with wealth personally. Um, it, it's kind of an interesting thing though, where it's it's he, he's able to kind of blend in in a way with with these wealthy you know rich people but at the same time he's uh, um always advocating for people who are you know not as wealthy it's 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 an interesting thing to think about where he's not coming at this from the position of oh i i know what it's like to not be rich uh therefore i'm taking on old money and new money it's i understand but i still think we should take on old money slash new money yes um, yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about and i think i don't think we have really had a sense for any of that with knives out but now with glass onion where we are looking at oh he's yeah. not just you know kind of you know he's not just somebody who uh is fashionable or has uh good taste in musical theater. Um, <laughs> I'm a Sondheim fan, so I was very excited to see see him yes. in there. But oh, <laughs> I was just like, oh, it's it's him. Um, but uh, but he's not just that. He he has that kind of 
position of privilege as well. Um, yeah, and with, it doesn't seem like... I mean, I can't imagine that they would be interested in delving more into who Benoit Blanc is because I, that would kind of spoil the spoil the fun it's fun that Benoit no, Blanc is I, a little bit more like he's got character but also can be can 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 be whatever the movie needs him to be where he was a little bit more I, I don't know he's a little bit goofier this yeah. go around yeah, I think I I I personally agree. I like getting the little snippets that we get yes. where um you know, he was he was a little bit more buttoned up in the last one too, but then you also have him uh singing along to uh, singing in the car and belting out Sondheim and you're just like, "Oh, okay. You know, he's you know, he has a different side and then you start seeing his just like a little hint of his home life, a little hint of him being a little bit more kind of silly or laid back. And so you start kind of piecing, like a, like a detective piecing together these little bits of Benoit Blanc rather than getting like a full on explanation. And I personally agree. I, I, I personally hope that there's never like, Oh, this is the prequel of how Benoit Blanc become, became a detective or, oh, or boy. even, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, like boy. here's the Benoit Blanc origin story. And you're like, ah, I like it when we just get these little hints of who he is, but the real story of each movie is the um, mystery that he's trying to solve, basically. Yes, I agree. Uh, the story, I mean, unless, look, I trust Ryan Johnson implicitly at this point. Oh, me too. <laughs> uh, and I would trust that if he were to do a Benoit Blanc prequel, it would be for a purpose, because you can't... I... I I am not as much of a fan of Glass Onion as I was to Knives Out. Mm. And also, it's such what I do. I respect the heck out of this movie because it swings for the fences so much. And I mean, I that's what love I love about that. Ryan Johnson in general. Yes. Um, I I personally, I, I, I don't know if I can. I think I have both of this um, Glass Onion and Knives Out. I, I can't really pick a favorite i i've tried to sit down and think which one's my favorite and amazing it's it's very very difficult but um i think part of the reason that i feel that way is because he just could have made a very similar movie and it would have done well but he chose not to and i think that that's one of the things that i appreciate most about any filmmaker yes um, but but that i think he brings to the table very well yeah and make no mistake i like i said i respect the heck out of this movie and i like this movie and uh just whenever i saw this for the first time it just threw me for such a loop structurally even though it plays mm-hmm. its, even though it plays its hands plays its hand within the first 10 minutes and tells you, here's what the structure of the movie is going to be, which is. Mm, 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 oh, mm. I love well, chef's kiss. It, <laughs> well, it, it does the thing where it, it, that I think is a really like particularly good in, in a mystery where, where it's like you, you see it play its hand, but then things still surprise you. Yes. You go back and rewatch and then you're like, Oh, I didn't notice that. Or I didn't notice X, it's just, it's fascinating. Which is what Um, Ryan is, and I am on a first name basis with him, make no mistake. Oh Uh, man, I wish. (laughs) 
I don't know. Maybe he'd be a mellow hang. I think Ryan Johnson would be a good mellow hang just playing his banjo. Just oh, yeah. Talking about things. No, I my my number one, if anybody asks, like, oh, celebrity couple to go hang out with, Ryan Johnson and Karina Longworth are, like, probably <sighs> it. Because I feel like they would just be, like, they'd be kind of chill and fun to hang out with, even though I'd be sitting there being like, you guys are really smart, and I oh, do my not God. feel. <laughs> yes. They're, they're so wildly versed in things that. Well, I I'd like to consider myself a film aficionado, but their breadth of knowledge, the two of them together, yes. is is overwhelming, and I'm such a fan of, if not necessarily the influences, the fact that they have so many influences to draw from, and then, especially in this movie's case, to synthesize those influences into something that is both an homage to the things that you love, while at the same time. And what I love about this movie so much, and Knives Out as well, so very much of its time, and specifically setting this in May of 2020, mm-hmm. I, I think that specificity will just, it could seem ham-fisted now, but in 10 years, 25 years, 50 years, I feel like that specificity is going to really make this a, a heck of a time capsule movie I showing folks think- where we are at this time. I think that there is a, for much lesser filmmakers, it could be used to age it, but I think that's not going to be the case with this. I think it's just, it uses the time period so well in storytelling that I'm, I think that it, it works um, just knowing what's going on and, and then, um, Looking at, for example, earlier in the film where everybody has a separate mask and how they're approaching that is tells a lot about their characters. Um, it, I, I feel like there's just a, a level of specificity that makes uh, just that that works really, really well. Even you know, while other people might go, "Oh, it's it's gonna date the movie," it's I I I, I don't think so. Well, you could do that thing of you could try and lean away from dating a movie, which could shoot you in the foot. Yeah. Um, well, because I feel like if you're setting a movie in the present day, there's always going to be a like, it's always going to be, you're always going to be dating a movie at some point. Like, yes. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's inevitable. So it's, I think it makes, it makes sense to kind of lean into it um, or at least understand that uh, there's a level I, of dating. And I think that specificity helps. Uh, well, what helps with the specificity is with the character of Helen, our our low status character, which I'm very pleased that we got these minutes of. Yeah. Uh, where the tilt has finally happened. The game is starting to reveal its hand. Just to use that phrase again. Uh, yeah. And that kind of, we're helping out the low status character again. Uh, that that struggle is probably going to hold uh, for a good long while. Uh, mm. And also, had no idea. I ha- just even though even though we had briefly s- seen uh, Helen breaking kayfabe, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, prior to the tilt, uh, we see Helen, and it it, it <laughs> I was pleased that that's cliche was happening and also well 
I mean, this could have gone so disastrously. Uh, but I was just like, yes, this is fun. This is goofy. Keeping in tone with the movie. And yes, Helen. Helen, Helen, Helen. Oh, I... I, I Two southern I, accents fighting each other. <laughs> Too true. Uh, I think that, I mean, that really these minutes that we're going to be talking about this week are relatively... Um, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but are, are relatively simple in terms of, uh, you know, filmmaking um, decisions and everything. But it, it's they're really, I think, fun minutes because they're because both of the writing of things starting to unfold, but especially also the acting. And I'm I, I love Janelle Monae, so I think she does a really great job of having of both. Helen and uh, Andy, where where there is just like it, it just she just feels different, even though she's the same person. I think she does a really great job there. It's also such a fascinating choice because Janelle Monae carries herself not just only in her music work, but in her previous other film roles. She just kind of has an authority, and then to yes. kind of cast her against type as a well, I'm a teacher. Right. Yeah. You, no, I you think... would never expect it. I've not seen your sister's death in the news. Did, did you release a statement? No. Shit. Was I supposed to? I don't know how this works. And you have no other family member who was informed of the death. It... If I pulled a few strings, I could keep it from leaking to the press for another week, maybe. That's... Oh, no, that's outrageous. I wouldn't. I... Well now, wow, now that, yes, Miss Brand, any feelings of reverence or respect that you had for me when you crossed my threshold, buttress those feelings now, buttress them. I'm proposing that you come. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm also a fan of her music works, um, and yeah, I'd never have that kind of sense from her from her music work there's always kind of like i don't even know how to describe it but i i mean she does like in a lot of her earlier stuff the more kind of science fiction inspired stuff kind of like an otherworldly type feeling um versus you know the now she's the kind of lower class teacher uh, it, it's 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 surprising but she, i think she plays it really well and um and, and does a good job where you, where you immediately clock, oh, this is a different person, or oh, this is not uh, Andy. This is this is this is somebody else. Even if you weren't aware of that yet. Yes, she gets to play levels. I'm excited. Yeah, and this is also a uh, fun uh, minute uh, because. <laughs> the, the just the way that that Blanc is starting to think about. Uh, this plan near the end of the minute and uh just him his oh that's outrageous like i'm like oh you're he's just so he's just such a fun character i would watch him in it literally do do anything and that would be a movie the fact that he says take all your feelings about me and buttress Buttress them (laughs) thrilling turn of phrase Uh, yes and also just because the format of the darn podcast even though it's such a specific turn of phrase, I don't think that that would have popped as much as it is, even though it's such a, a wild thing 
to say, lovely, Benoit Blanc, marry me. That's it. <laughs> I mean, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> and I just, it's, it's just his, like, everything Daniel Craig does in these movies just makes me so happy. And you, you can tell he is just, like, giving his all to this role, which I, I think is really lovely with that it's that that the role that he's just like yes this is my role is uh benoit blanc foghorn leghorn uh, uh private investigator detective I mean, it's, it's yeah moi. chef kiss for me <laughs> for uh, benoit blanc. here's my second note for this minute mm-hmm. and this is look this is really critical this is a critical note for this specific minute uh daniel craig's eyes are so blue they are. Oh my god, he—it's—it's—it's like, it, it, it's, it's absurd. Yeah, I—I <laughs> I feel like they're. I—I I would not be surprised if the look of some of these things might have been influenced to just kind of highlight Daniel Craig's eyes because they are a special effect in and of themselves. They are so piercing. Um, sure. That's it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Um, my other big note about this minute is that I um, I feel like this this minute and then the rest of this um, these minutes do uh, do a really good job with the music, um, which is one of the things that we talk about. But I, I love the way that when he starts to oh, think of this I'm plan it just so like so glad you brought this up I wrote this <laughs> yes. it just like sl- it just very quietly nudges in and so it's like it, you can barely kind of perceive it and then suddenly the music is just there and um but I, it, it's it's something that I, I I was just I, I needed to go and pinpoint and when it started and it does pinpoint like just the second that Blanc starts to think up what the plan is going to be and I think that is just such a nice little touch. Yes, the Benoit Blanc theme starts playing and I mean that that's just uh, n- not to be an old man about this, but it's just not something that they do anymore, which is have a theme that carry a, a literal musical motif that carries over from movie to movie. And, you know, it's just which like is a such a shame blanket. because that's such, it's such a cool thing yes. to do. I don't know. It's 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 <laughs> it, it's it's something that I personally like. And it's, it's a thing that is is just iconic. Like there, there are so many musical themes or ideas that people can think of for movies but not you know a lot of recent ones so it's i don't know if anybody's necessarily going to be pinpointing the benoit blanc theme but i i I just the the way that it starts playing with this this scene is just very effective i think i allison i agree i agree with you i agree it's lovely appreciate that. Uh, do you have any other notes or anything else you'd like to bring up about this uh, about this minute? Uh, I mean, outside of the fact that this is an expositiony minute, which mm-hmm. make no mistake, love me some good exposition. Uh, Benoit giving a lot of good sly little looks and uh, because I am looking for anything to talk about, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Benoit Blanc has a little broom in the corner on his patio. So he can sweep out those leaves or whatever. Oh. 
That's it. I like that. I, that's good. To, <laughs> that's good to think about. Uh, that like the little details with set dressing. It's it's great. I I have a lot of appreciation for set decorators and uh, props masters and anybody who does stuff like that. Like the kind of unsung production kind of roles. So nicely done. Whoever thought mm, he needs a little broom on yes. the balcony. Um, okay. So every, uh, odd day we do have a specific question and, uh, one ours for this week that I, uh, didn't get to earlier was, uh, did you see this in theaters when it was released or I when did, did you first see the movie? Mm. I did see nice. it in theaters. Now, uh, I did too. I'm uh, very glad about that. So, so glad it played so well in a crowd. Yes. Um, I saw this at the Alamo Draft House, South oh. Lamar location here in Austin, uh, because I live in Austin. Spoiler alert! Um, and it was uh, a packed house, and it it played like gangbusters. Um, oh, that's such a fun moment when it when you have a packed house and everybody's just vibing with the movie. It's 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 I, I I'm personally a a movie theater enjoyer, so I I tend to try and see it as much as I can, but. It, there's nothing better when when you have a full house and everybody's just really enjoying themselves with the movie. And I agree. Yeah. I saw this with my comedy partner Heidi Rogers, and she, while I was cooler on the movie, she was much cooler on Knives Out, which was a movie that she did not like because she mm. hated getting tricked by the mm. by the structure of that movie. Uh, but then she watched it again, was like, I like it better. And then whenever she walked out of glass on it, she was like, That ruled. Uh, which, again, while I say that I am cooler on this movie, I so aggressively support people who are like, yes, 10 out of 5 stars, uh, because I, I, it's just a lot more fun to support people. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I mean, I there's certainly movies that I'm, uh, other people are bigger on that I'm maybe a little bit cooler on, but I, I am very much a, I want to support original filmmaking or interesting filmmaker so if it's like an interesting film even if i'm not necessarily as into it i am just like yes thank you for making cool interesting movies yes (laughs) i i'm the type of person where i'm i am like to not to date this episode of the podcast but i've been following the box offices for Barbie and Oppenheimer very closely because I'm just like excited about original movies doing well. I mean, obviously Barbie (laughs) is doing well, but I was not aware that Oppenheimer uh, pole vaulted over $400 million, which is basically a three hour movie about uh, white men talking in rooms quite tersely. It is, it is a victory for cinema. Uh, Um, It's it's like, I'm so amazed at how well that did, and I mean, like it's it's just I I I can't. It's I'm just very interested in where box office is going right now, especially since um, you know, other kind of franchise stuff hasn't been doing so hot, and then suddenly there's this like just giant weekend where I go to, I I went to both on the same day, like, like a lot of people. Same. And, and, and and the, the energy at the movie theater was great. It was so fun. And, and it's for one, I mean, 
Barbie was extremely fun, um, but for Oppenheimer, you're just like, this is a three-hour kind of dire movie um, about sadness in the atomic bomb and yes. you're just like and and then it's doing amazingly well and it's 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 in, it's I, I don't know i'm i'm just well, like not to just bring sad. everything back to glass onion but it makes it yeah. even more puzzling whenever people are mm. i think what works so well about the barbenheimer uh double feature is that it's an experience and i think that is yeah. more than anything is is what folks are really thirsty for they're thirsty for yes. their time to matter as our attention spans get pulled in a thousand different directions and to have this thing be in theaters for only a week is yeah. i mean it, it 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 strikes as honest for netflix even though they've invested in theatrical runs for other projects but that's because netflix was trying to court prestige as opposed to Glass Onion, which is just kind of a, I, I, not necessarily a poor quadrant movie, but it's a populist film. Right. It's not necessarily like the, their most prestigious movie or anything. It's not like, it's not like, um, like The Power of the Dog or something where it's, that's like, I feel like a prestige movie yes. versus, uh, versus uh, Glass Onion, which is, which is great. But it's not necessarily structured as a, as, a, as a prestige movie or as a an awards and a movie that's gunning for awards. Basically, um, I don't want to say I don't want to say uh, Oscar bait about that because I think Power of the Dog's fantastic. Power <laughs> so, of the Dog is a, a marvelous film that's about the yeah. structure of masculinity and how yeah. awful awful that that can be. And I think there's similar craftsmanship. Uh, here in Glass Onion, much yeah. like the puzzle box at the beginning, but a little bit more meaningful, ultimately. Yeah, uh, I, I think that... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. That's the end of my thought. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just... I, I, I'm hoping that the theatrical releases in general can uh, maybe go see. Like, let's prioritize that i guess I, I, i'm just i'm just so just getting a single week in theaters was bizarre for me and then i am and, and then now we're having so many movies that are barely getting a theatrical run but then they're going straight to streaming like weeks later um i'm a lot more fond of than a lot of people on uh asteroid city the latest wes anderson Yes. And uh, I personally loved it. And, and but it, it was so frustrating going to it when they had already announced like, oh, you know, in two weeks it's going to be on streaming. And it's, it's it's frustrating to me. It yes, it is. It is frustrating. We live in rapidly changing times. Yes. Uh, where the Miles Bronze of the world are saying this is the world that we should be living uh, in, <laughs> which you know. <sighs> Uh, yes it's a it's a weird it's a weird time for for filmmaking so i think now's a good time to celebrate interesting filmmakers and good filmmakers so Uh, that's what i that's what i hope to do with this and that's what i hope to do in general um so yeah uh is there anything else that you'd like to add for this week or for Uh, this for today no i do not think so all right uh well thank you for joining me this week uh, do you have any plugs that you'd like to uh, do? 
Uh, yes. If you like, I don't know why I said it like that. Um, whenever I'm not doing podcasts about uh, Glass Onion Minute by Minute, I also host a podcast called the Trek Wars Podcast with my co-host Aspen Webster, where we go through both the franchises of Star Wars and Star Trek and answer the ultimate question in fandom, which is better, Star Trek or Star Wars, by reviewing each piece of both franchises in chronological release order mm. until we finish. And uh, spoiler alert, you would, according to the statistics, the completely uh, you know hard data statistics, uh, the numbers are much closer than you'd think. Oh, interesting. I... I, I have a lot of a, a lot of thoughts about both of those, but I'll save that here. Uh, but yeah, go listen to that. That sounds fascinating. I'm going to go check that out too because I uh, I have a lot of I have a lot of Star Wars thoughts. Um, uh, and also, if you're not necessarily a fan of either franchises, uh, we think that it's a good podcast to listen to because we, outside of other folks that might talk a little bit more about Easter eggs. Uh, we like to talk about general themes. We like to talk about how mm-hmm. what this stuff means to us. We dig into... Really, it's a good excuse for Aspen and I to talk about uh, politics, sociology, philosophy, what this stuff means to us. So check it out, uh, trekwarspod.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Cool. That sounds great. You. Um, you can follow us on whatever... It's called Twitter now. I don't care. Um, at Glass Onion Min, all one word. Um, I, I see in the notes that Darren wrote, it's not called Twitter anymore, but we are not calling it X. And fair enough. I agree. Good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm like, thank don't, you. Don't Anyways, do it. you can find us there. Us there. Um, you can also please rate, review, subscribe, all on whatever podcatcher you use. Um, and since it's a Monday, I'm going to plug my stuff. Uh, I do a gaming podcast called Gaming Fix with um, some buddies, uh, just kind of a general weekly podcast, pretty casual, but um, so that's Gaming FYX. And I am also currently uh, starting to write some reviews at NintendoWorldReport.com, so please check that out. Uh, and that will do it for this uh, today's episode of Glass Onion Minute. Thank you for joining me, Kenny, and I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow.